are pouring from the buildings now. There's cars toppled, buildings entirely crushed and crumbled. I'm not sure if it's safe to report from my vantage point. I, I really need to leave. So the fences inform me that the surrounding areas are, are in ruin. I, I see some people running now. In the opinion of this reporter, if this nation, or in fact the world, ever needed heroes, that time is now. That time is now. Exciting episode of the Fire and Water Podcast. Proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm your co-host Rob Kelly, and unfortunately, the Irredeemable Shag is still bogged down in contract renegotiations. So until then, we have another guest host with us, and it's a very, very special uh, guest host this time. It is the number one Aquaman fan in the world, my friend Laura Jovag, the uh, webmaster of the unofficial Aquaman website, which is now in the middle of its 20th year. 20 years, yes. 20 years on the internet. Laura, welcome to the Fire and Water Podcast. Thank you. Good to be here. (laughs) I'm very excited to have you. Like I said, you are, I think of you as the number one Aquaman fan in the world because I have to flash everybody back a little to 1998 when I was working uh, at a uh, book publisher and I decided to start looking into this thing called the internet. I had had some some brief internet access earlier, but for I didn't have a computer for a while. And then I had this computer at work and I was like, let me check and see what's going on on the internet. And I wondered, is there anything on Aquaman on the internet? There can't be, right? And what do I find <laughs> but a site called the Aquaman, the unofficial Aquaman website run by someone named Laura. Uh, uh-huh. You went by Tegan here on the on the site. And I was like, wow, a whole site devoted to Aquaman. Who would have thought of such a thing? Well, I was in the same boat as you. Um, when I first got online, my thought was, I wonder if anyone has an Aquaman website. And I went looking, and I found nothing. I found absolutely nothing. And I said, well, you know, I kind of wanted to build a website. And that was how it became an unofficial Aquaman website. I I decided to fill this niche that I could see the, there was no Aquaman website on the web at the time, and there it was. 
Yeah, it may, I mean, I would not have started the shrine if you hadn't started yours first, because I think if I I'm had, glad to hear that. I think if I had found nothing on Aquaman, I probably would have been like, oh, this is not really a thing, and I probably would have never done it. But I knew there was somebody else out there that loved Aquaman to the point to create a website. So I thought, well, I can, I can do it too, I guess. So thank you for doing that, because well, uh, I'm, I'm glad that's that's a wonderful thing to have as a legacy. The Aquaman shrine is fantastic, and I love it. Well, thank you very much. Thank you, I appreciate it. Said, and we wouldn't have the podcast, but we wouldn't have the shrine. So so it's all of it came from that initial <laughs> discovery oh so many years ago. So how did you like where how, where did your Aquaman fandom come about? Um it's kind of hard to say. I I always go back to the Super Friends because I was I grew up on the Super Friends. That was my Aquaman, the the goofy watchtower Aquaman, but um I liked him because when I went swimming, it that was where I felt most at home. I, I love swimming. I love being in the water. And I have a memory, a very early memory, of being in a swimming pool and in an inner tube at the top of the pool. And all of a sudden, in this memory, I'm at the bottom of the pool looking up at the inner tube going, how did I get down here? I must have flipped or something. And my, in my memory, I think, I wish I could stay down here. I, I know I can't, but I really wish I could. Hmm. Looking up at the sky and thinking, man, it's so much cooler down here. I like it down under the water. And I just love Aquaman. He can do that. He can stay down there. Or he can be on the surface, whichever he wants. Can you imagine? He's, he can go anywhere in the world almost. It's just the rest of us, we're, we're stuck on the, the continents or the skies, but he can go down underneath. It's just too cool. <laughs> People are, oh, he talks to fish. No, that's not the cool thing. The cool thing is he can live underwater. That's awesome. By Aquaman comics when you were a kid, or was it really the I, Super Friends? I didn't know much about comics until I got to college, and then um, I went into a comic shop with a friend and said, is there an Aquaman book? And he said, oh, you're in luck. There's a there's this brand new series coming out, and it was um, Sean McLaughlin's series. Oh, right, okay. And Started buying it from the start, and then I started looking for back issues, and boy, did I hunt for back issues. When I get obsessed, I get very obsessed. <laughs> and um, eventually, I found every single solo Aquaman story in existence, and I, I have them all in collections of some sort. Some of them are microfiche, some of them are digital. I've got it all. The word microfiche really jumps out. <laughs> it's sort of a yes. A I, I have fish. I have microfiche of uh, fish of Aquaman. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's the, the perfect segue because that's why uh, we have Laurie here. Is that uh, a couple of weeks ago? Of course, I had our pal Ryan Daly on the show when we talked about Aquaman's first appearance in More Fun Comics number seventy three. And I have been wanting to do profiles of all of his more fun stories on the show for a while. And Laura was the first person that I had ever seen. And actually, still the only other person I know that's read all these stories. Um, <laughs> you you posted them all uh, on your site, and I was like, I never read any of these things. I was like, wow, there's this whole era of Aquaman I'm completely unfamiliar with. So uh, the reason Laura's here is that we are going to be talking about the stories from More Fun Comics numbers 74 and 75, which are Aquaman's second and third ever appearances. Uh, but before we get to that, we have to thank our sponsor, which is, of course, InStockTrades.com. This episode of the Fire and Water Podcast is sponsored in part by InStockTrades.com. InStockTrades is your best online source for trades, hardcovers, and other collected editions, all for up to 45% off with free shipping for orders of $50 or more. So, Laura, you brought a book to recommend. What is it? Oh, yeah, March number three, the March book three by uh, John Lewis, Andrew Aiden, and Nate Powell. And um, if you haven't been following March, you really should. It's excellent, excellent series. I sat down and read the entire series from book one to three just the other day, uh, as soon as I had book three in hand. And, oh, wow, it is so good. And then 
I don't know if you saw um, Stephen Colbert's Late Night the other day. He went uh, crowd surfing, yeah. He John went Lewis, John crowd Lewis, surfing. Yeah. John Lewis went crowd surfing. Oh, my gosh. It was awesome. But, yeah, and um, InStock Trades has that. You want to go get it right now. And, and the other issues, they also have a lot of Aquaman, I noticed. So you can get plenty of Aquaman books from them. Yeah, March Book 3 is it's from uh, IDW. I don't know if you mentioned that. Oh, uh, sorry, no. <laughs> yeah, the, the, their normal price is $19.99, and stock trades price is only $13.99, so it's 30% off. It's a really great piece of comics journalism. I recommended March Book 1 here on the show a while back, and so uh, I haven't read number 3 yet, but I, considering how much I liked Book 1, I'm sure I will like Book 3 uh, just as much. It's they're really it's a really interesting series. Oh, yes. Important history there, too. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, yeah, like I said, it's, it's a wonderful piece of, of comics journalism. I saw a March book one in my local library, which made me very happy to know that that's available for people to read because it's, like, it's a great thing for kids to learn history I'm, in a sort of uh, approachable manner. I'm told it's, it's being used in classrooms now, which is understandable. It explains a lot. It's good, good stuff. Yeah, that's fantastic. My recommendation, unfortunately, the more fun stories have never been reprinted other than two of them, number 73 and number 101. So they are not available anywhere in collected editions. I, I don't think, I can't imagine if DC no, probably going to ever get to them. So I decided to pick something just completely random and has no connection to Aquaman. Uh, in case this is a Strange Science Fantasy trade paperback volume one. Uh, just says, join the award-winning storyteller Scott Morse as he hurdles the varied worlds of our popular culture through time and space, their collision resulting in a most unique amalgam of strange science fantasy. Untold tales of gods like the Headlight, the Shogunat, the Projectionist, G.I. Gantic, and the Foolish Fling will merge into a fantastic new tome of pop culture as religion as you, dear readers, will be the first to take communion. Also, this volume collects all six one-page tales by the critically acclaimed comics juggernaut Paul Pope, done expect exclusively for SSF. Uh, so the writer and artist are Scott Morse. The, the, I don't know if anybody is not familiar with Scott Morse's work. It has a real kind of Harvey Kurtzman energy, and this thing is just sort of all random stories. It's just kind of what appeals to Scott Morse. I really liked the series when it came out. This is uh, 212 pages. The normal price is $24.99. In stock trades price is seventeen dollars and forty nine cents. That's thirty percent. It's a really fun story. Really weird collection of uh, of stories. I love the artwork. It's just a great unusual book. So check it out if you like something a little different. So uh, for this and all the other trade paperback needs, visit InStockTrades.com, and we thank them for their support. So, Laura, before we get into this first more fun story, I want to ask you mm-hmm. a little bit. You are really quite knowledgeable about the sort of the history of Aquaman, of how he got created. And a couple of weeks ago when I was talking to uh, the aforementioned Ryan, yeah. he asked me about how much was Aquaman Paul Norris's creation, how much is it were more Weinzinger's. Can you shed some light on that? Okay, well, um, I wrote to Paul Norris in 2003, and um, I got a response. He's He wasn't... Um, he didn't go into great detail, but he, what he did tell me was that Whitney Ellsworth, the editor, brought him into his office and said, you need to create an aquatic character. And at the time, Norris wasn't familiar with um, Namor or any of the other aquatic characters of the Golden Age, so he just created his own thing. Whitney Ellsworth drew a doodle of a, a dude in a wetsuit smoking a cigar or something like that. Uh, that's, that's what it said in the letter. Uh, Paul Norris didn't know exactly who wrote the first story, and... Personally, I think the person who wrote the first story and the person who wrote the second story were two different people, but I'm not entirely sure of that. Um, I'm not really sure how much Mort Weisinger was involved. Um, hmm. 
he was a, a staff writer. He, he might have written either one of them. But Paul is the one who created the design. Paul is the one who created the powers and the colors. And uh, the color design came about from uh, the Navy. If you were wearing a Navy shirt, you, you had an orange on the inside so that you could be, be seen in the water. So he wanted it to be something that could be seen against the blue. So the orange and the yellow is something that could be seen against the blue of the water. And that's that was the point for having uh, those color schemes. Wow, I never knew that. So um, that was that was Paul. As far as I know, Paul is, is the sole creator of Aquaman. Whoever wrote the original stories may have developed it a little bit more, but I, th- I think Paul is the, the original creator. Yeah, and so that's probably, is that why you think that, that DC pretty much discredits Paul Norris at this point for the creation of Aquaman? I don't think anyone knows for sure, and uh, unfortunately Paul passed away several years ago. Right. And But my letter, the way he described it, it was Whitney's idea, and it was Paul who made it come into reality. Wow, that is remarkable. I never knew any of that stuff, and so that's it's really, I said, I always assumed that Mort Weinzinger had at least somewhat of a hand in it, because, of course, he was credited for the creation of Green Arrow as well, but now I'm wondering if... if well, he, he may well have written it. I, it's not something anyone knows. Oh, wow. Jeez. That's amazing. Well, that's cool. I'm glad to know. And I, I had the idea to write Mr. Norris uh, myself, uh, and then, unfortunately, he died, I think, about a month between... I had that idea and me actually, you know putting it into practice and I will always yeah. regret that because I would have loved to have had a chance to tell him how you know much Aquaman meant to me and and, and so I'm glad you got to at least speak to him uh, sort at least by mail yes I, I actually wrote a couple letters to him I um, cannot find the letter he wrote back <laughs> he, he sent a, a small print of a mermaid and, and a nice letter with a signature all I really wanted was his autograph and uh, he, he told me a lot of good stuff in the letter so I, wow. It was it was delightful. It was back in 2003, 2002, 2003. I, I seem to recall I got the letter right after my birthday. It was the best birthday present for a long time. Yeah, geez. I, and I mentioned on the show before, it was great that he lived long enough to see his fame. You know, I mean, he, he, yes, got, he got to do yes. Aquaman commissions. And, and I've seen some of the commissions he did. And he was like in his 90s when he did them. And they were they're really good. I mean, he yeah. really did not lose any of his skills over the years in fact he probably seemed like he got a little better i mean his stuff is those commissions are great great stuff yeah he did did good stuff yes um so well anyway let's get right to more fun comics uh in this case this is more fun comics number 74 uh this is cover dated december 1941 and of course aquaman is nowhere to be found on the cover he is mentioned (laughs) on three three thrilling new features but the cover features dr fate beating up a bunch of guys in the jumpsuits and knocking the crap out of them. So, uh, Laura, yeah. why don't you take us through this story? Well, um, this story features Aquaman's first recurring villain, Blackjack the Modern Pirate, <laughs> and his raider ship nemesis. And uh, Blackjack attacks a yacht and demands money, and then he's about to kill everybody on the yacht when Aquaman pops up and beats the crap out of all these pirates. And uh, um, Blackjack's thing his his uh his scheme is that because all these other countries are at war and they're busy uh fighting each other he's going to dress as a pirate an old-fashioned pirate and everyone who looks at him is going to say oh crap that's a pirate if and they're going to immediately know that they have to give him his money now i suspect more people would laugh than anything but you know a couple gunshots and i'm i'm sure that would take care of that but uh 
Aquaman beats up his crew, but then uh, Blackjack gasses Aquaman and knocks him out. Always knocking him out. Always knocking him out. And um, obviously Aquaman hasn't gotten a lot of um, fame at this point because Blackjack tries to recruit him, says, join my crew. And Aquaman's like, no way. And then Blackjack, of all the things he could have done to get rid of Aquaman, dumps him in the water, weighted down with weights. And Aquaman easily escapes, of course, by uh, cutting the bonds with some coral and jumps up and rescues the yacht again because Blackjack's going to sink it now that Aquaman's out of the way and turns the torpedo on on the nemesis, sinks the nemesis, beats up the crew, and Blackjack apparently dies. Only in the very last panels we see him wash up on a distant shore vowing vengeance against Aquaman. I'll get even with Aquaman or my name isn't Blackjack. Yes, okay. And of course it says, see the next issue of More Fun. Find out what happens. Now, whoever wrote this, now that we are not sure that it was more Weisinger, <laughs> uh, I mean, he clearly, you know, I mean, by bringing Blackjack back in the last panel, clearly was uh, figured, you know, hey, we need to have a recurring villain here. I mean, it's like, why kill the guy? I mean, in the 40s, they did that all the time, killing those villains off. But here it was like, hey, wait oh, yeah. a minute, let's just keep bringing this guy back. I mean, in this first story, Blackjack seems like a perfectly decent villain. It's only, I think, in the later stories where he keeps trying the same thing over and over again with Aquaman. He keeps knocking Aquaman on the head and dumping him into the water, <laughs> where it's like, good, this guy's an idiot. You know, he's really an ineffectual villain. Grow up, man. Figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, a, a guy called Aquaman, who would have guessed that throwing him into the water doesn't do a whole lot, you know? But but in terms of this first appearance, he seems like a perfectly decent villain. He's, he's uh, got his, his, his whole scheme with the, he's got a sword and an eye patch and, you know, his crew's all wearing the uh, traditional headscarves and... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he's, it's, he looks, he's not bad looking. And he's a modern pirate. He's not a, a old-fashioned pirate. He's using the modern tools and weapons and stuff. I like the angle about the war, that he's sort of using the war to his own benefit. That's right. kind of he's a taking, cool thing. I mean, this is before... We, this is, yeah, this is before America was in the war uh, by a couple of months. Uh, well, <laughs> yeah, but he's taking advantage of that. He's making sure that... Uh, he can take care of people while, you know, you know, finding a yacht that's idling out on the ocean. And the, the war comes up much, much, much heavier later on in the, the Aquaman stories. But this one, it's kind of <laughs> just mentioned. Yeah, I mean, Aquaman fought Nazis in, the, in his first story. I mean, he's fighting Nazis directly here. It's a little more oblique. Now, I, that, that one panel on page uh, five of them where they put the anchor around Aquaman's neck... Like that's a an real, anvil, I, I, yeah. The anvil. I, like, that, that, I find that a very disturbing image. It just looks very painful to have that thing wrapped around Aquaman's neck like that because the way he's sort of hunched over. Yeah. I, it, it's, it just looks it looks really un- uncomfortable. And then and then in the, the panel right beneath it where Aquaman's being dragged down to the bottom by the anvil, you're just sitting there going, wow, that doesn't look very... And, and the legs are being pulled the other way with the other weight. So... And I, I'm going to note, in Warfront 73, Aquaman is, is thrown overboard and, and weighted down also. Yeah. And in that, he uses his, his ability to communicate with the fish to, to get free. And this one, he just rubs up against some coral and cuts the ropes. So it's slightly different. There's, there's no talking to fish in this one. No. Much like in More Fun 73, this one, he is not really worried about killing anybody. I mean, he knocks the torpedo into the... I mean, he, I mean this, yeah. these, these, these superheroes were a lot more bloodthirsty in the <laughs> 40s. And so, the, and Aquaman in particular just does not worry too much about killing any of the bad guys. First time we see Aquaman riding a torpedo. Yeah. That's right. And yep. uh, sinks the ship and he says, looks like the end of Blackjack and seems pretty happy about it. 
Yeah, yeah, he's just, he's he's. I like how gre- gre- gregarious the '40s Aquaman is. He's just like a real sort of lover of adventure kind of thing. In the later on stories, he would end everything with like you know a sort of vow to to keep the sea safe. Here, he doesn't do that. But I mean, I do love how he's sort of cheerful. Yes, I mean he kind of makes <laughs> jokes and stuff. I mean, at one point he charges Blackjack and he says, "Cheer up, Blackjack! I'm here to keep you company." You know, I mean, he just seems that kind of this real daring do kind of guy. Um, artwork wise, what do you what do you think of Paul Norris's work here? I uh, I like the angles he picks. I like the fact that there's even when there's not much action, you, there's different angles, and you see all the different soldiers. You see the backgrounds. You see lots in the background. There's um, they're kind of plain at times, but sometimes you can see the the ocean in the background and the the fire coming up from the ships. I love the. Um, torpedo writing that just amuses me to no end I, I just always love that on page seven at the bottom there's you can see the guys drowning the pirates and they're they're looking pretty upset as they're going down so in the middle of that one with blackjack shaking his fist if i knew the swab that did this i'd keyhole him from here to singapore he's shaking his fist and he, he looks very very piratey there so yeah <laughs> that panel you talk about where the where the pirates are drowning aquaman's even trash talking them there because he's like you're sinking fast the nemesis <laughs> seems to have uh, met her nemesis you're sunk in more ways than one so it's like bad yeah. enough that i'm dying i have to have this guy uh teasing, you know, me as I go down. teasing me as i go down yeah thanks a lot guys i i do like some of the the language in this too um blackjack says i'm still here and i'll chop you to into ounces into who talks like that that's yeah. awesome <laughs> And Aquaman, here, let me part those whiskers in the middle as he punches uh, Blackjack right in the face. I mean, that's just wonderful. Yeah, I do. I do like that. He's Aquaman's all hunched over when he yeah when he smacks, uh, and then he hits him again the second time. I'll gouge out. Or it's it's uh, Blackjack who says, "I'll gouge out your headlights." And then Aquaman <laughs> says, "Save your breath and fight. You're not giving me any competition." <laughs> it's all pretty yeah, good stuff. Now, how did you find these stories on microfiche? I mean, where where would you even come across such a thing? Uh, there was a company for a while. I don't know if they're still doing it. That that produced a whole bunch of different Golden Age. They had a license for it. A whole bunch of different Golden Age stories on microfiche, and you could buy sets, usually of five issues. They were not cheap. Um, I saved up a lot of money and got oh I don't know how many sets, just a ton of them, uh, as many as I could, so that I could read all the early more funds and read the early Aquaman stories. Someone, um, one of one of the person who told me about it, uh, took them to a library and made black and white copies of some of them. I want to say 101 to 106 of More Fun. Okay. And um, sent me these these pretty, actually, no, uh, yeah, it's they were bad copies. They were photo photocopies of microfiche that were barely readable, but I'm reading them and I'm going, oh man, these are the first golden age that I've seen besides More Fun 73. And they're so awesome. And um, I had to find them all. And when he told me about the microfiche, I just went and I, w- I went for it. And then my parents, who are terribly indulgent of their, their uh, children's many um, weird hobbies, <laughs> went to a Boeing um, surplus sale and bought me a microfiche reader. Wow. So I have a microfiche reader. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah, it was it was very cool. Do you do anything with it at this point? I occasionally will pull it up and read some of the, the old stuff. Some of them are um, 
not just Aquaman, but some of the other ones, just amazing stuff. The Golden Age, they could pack more in eight pages than we get in five issues of modern comics. Yeah, they don't waste any time. These stories, no. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, I, More Fun Comics is a really interesting series in that it was all sort of like B-level characters, but had a lot. They, it was a really cool lineup of got you know Aquaman, Green Arrow, Johnny Green Glitch, Arrow, yeah, Spectre, Doctor Fate. I mean, I would read a book if they had all those characters in, together now. Some somewhere there was a Johnny Quick story that mentioned Aquaman early on in one of the More Funs. Really, and I've been looking for it ever since I first read it. <laughs> I cannot find it, but um, I swear oh, now, there's, great. there's now a I'm Johnny gonna be up late one. looking for that. Oh geez, there's a Johnny Quick story in one of those early More Funs where he mentions it just mentions him. And I wish I'd written it down, but oh uh, well. Oh my god! Oh, that's gonna haunt my dreams now because I <laughs> never—I didn't think that Aquaman was ever mentioned in any other comic up until he crossed over with Green Arrow in the fifties or something. Oh. That was. Uh, oh uh, no! Oh, now I know what I got to do. Oh jeez, Laura, <laughs> sort of you I, I didn't mean to do that to you. Oh god! I'm gonna look through all these musty it's, old. It's been driving me crazy trying to find it again. I—I <sighs> I hope I didn't dream it. <laughs> Me too, because now you, oh, Laura, okay, all right, all right, well, well, let's get through this next one, then, so I can get, get checking on this, yeah, we're going to be talking, now we're moving on to uh, More Fun Comics number 75, which is cover dated January 1942, uh, it has another Dr. Fate cover, here, he's not using his magic powers, he's kind of acting like Batman, and just jumping through a window and kicking a bunch of crooks as they're firing, I guess, guns in the air. And I guess I don't exactly know how we know they're bad guys exactly, but Doctor, I guess we have to trust Dr. Fate. Um, on the top it says, <laughs> New Aquaman, again, which is the only time he ever gets mentioned on the cover is you just see his name. So anyway, this story opens with a, uh, uh, I hate to use the pun, splash page, but of course when you're talking about an Aquaman comic, you can't help but say that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and it's a guy being menaced by an octopus. It's a diver. Gorgeous octopus. Octopus. Yeah, yeah, it really is a really well drawn looking octopus, and it's a guy just in like a like a bathing trunks, and he's being menaced by this octopus. Aquaman punches the octopus. He says, "Get back, octopus! You'll have to fight for that dinner." Quite a wrestler, aren't you? But and he takes the octopus on. He sinks him. He says, "You're not the only sea citizen that can clamp down." He's the uh, he notices this guy is unconscious. Aquaman grabs the guy. He's weighted down. He's held down by this... Uh, giant clam has him. Giant, oh, giant clam. You're right. It's hard to even look at this artwork sometimes. You tell what I'm looking at. So Aquaman frees the guy, drags him back to his cave, the first appearance of the Aqua Cave. Uh, he uses... He uh, does like some sort of respiratory thing by uh, getting him to breathe again. It's, it, we'll, we'll get back to that panel in a moment, um, <laughs> what that looks like. <laughs> so the guy... The guy <laughs> The guy wakes up and he says his name is, uh, what is it, Keiko, I believe. Kiyoki. Kiyoki, I'm sorry, Kiyoki. And Kiyoki explains, he says, uh, he says, he's a diver and he says, you should have let me die. My poor sweetheart, she's in the hands of Blackjack. Blackjack. Blackjack is back. Black Aquaman's like, Blackjack, the sea robber who tried to bring back piracy, I fought him. And then Kiyoki explains he says uh, he was almost dead when he washed ashore on our island. The chief and I found him, helped him. They woke Blackjack up. Blackjack, of course, betrayed these guys. Slow, quickly took over the island. He says, we see the Blackjack freshman surviving his first run in with Aquaman. Last issue has shown up on this remote island and is causing trouble. He shoots the island's tribe leader, installing himself as chief. He then started having his subjects dig up treasures from the ocean floor to make himself rich. He also grabs Kiyoki's sweetheart, Leona, and threatens Kiyoki that if he doesn't follow Blackjack's orders, he'll never see her again. 
Aquaman at this point has heard enough, and he takes off for Kiyoki's island. There we see Blackjack has grabbed Kiyoki, uh, grabbed uh, Leona. Aquaman gets involved. Blackjack grabs Leona and disappears into a shark temple inside a cave further down the shore. Kiyoki and some of the other tribesmen try and storm the hideout, but Blackjack shoots at them, wounding Kiyoki, keeping them away. Aquaman asks if there's any other way in, and he's told there's an underwater cavern, but it is guarded by a shark devil who will lead anyone who tries to cross. Aquaman, of course, isn't scared off by this. Only a shark to guard Blackjack? Splendid! And he dives in, finding his way to the cavern and running straight to the shark devil, which he then um, stabs to death. And he kills it, yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, inside the cave, Luana, no shrinking violet herself, has had enough, and she makes a run for it. When Blackjack demands she come back, she answers, Never! Blackjack gives chase, but he's met by Aquaman. Aquaman knocks Blackjack out. The uh, the other guys on the island ask to make Aquaman ask Aquaman if he will be their chief, but he turns them down because he's got he's got to go back to his uh, life among the seas. And the story ends with Aquaman with one of his little aphorisms, which I really do enjoy. And he says, "Well, big trouble ends in a wedding. I'll say aloha and get back into the water. If the seven seas have nothing to worry about besides Blackjack, and that is the end of the story." <laughs> Uh, as as Laura and I talked about before we started recording, this is a couple of firsts. It has said it by bringing Blackjack back, this is his first recurring villain. And this is the introduction of the Aqua Cave, which would be used in many, many stories. So, Laura, what did you think of this one? I love the art in this one. Uh, the the natives aren't drawn like, you know, stupid natives. They're smart people. They're They're just overwhelmed by this guy that has weapons that are a little bit better than theirs. The uh, sea life, oh man, that that octopus is just fantastic. On the front, man, wow. Um, Kyoki, he's a little bit uh, silly. Yeah. <laughs> and Loana, or is, is her name Loana? I can't remember. Leona. Is, is kind of uh, shrinking violet, but she does run. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. The Aqua Cave. Yeah, now you, I have never looked at that panel. I will never look at that panel again in the same way. Yeah, it's, there's a middle panel where as he's trying to resuscitate uh, Kyoki. Kyoki is on the floor. All he has on is his trunks, and, and, and Aquaman is straddling him. Uh, and, and, on, and on top push, of pushing, it, Pushing on his sides for some reason. Pushing on his sides, and, and it's lit by candles, so it's a very romantic image if you choose <laughs> to look at it that way. It's romantic until you look at what Aquaman said. He's coming too, moving, he'll live. Well, okay, yeah, that, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, in, in this, the Aqua Cave is actually an ancient temple of the lost city that Aquaman keeps a temple free from water and filled with his possessions. So, wow. He's he's got a, he's got his own temple. Yeah. That is killer. That is all. I love that idea. That's pretty neat. And, um, blackjack, he's trying to get lots and lots of pearls. He wants bushels of them so he can buy new ships and weapons. And then he is, you know, obviously he's just sitting around eating fruit while, Everybody's making their dives, but they, they're not going fast enough for him. So that's why he gets Kiyoki and, and sends him for the big big pearls down at the bottom, and that's how Kiyoki gets into trouble. He's pretty vicious in that he kills the chief, like, immediately. Yep. I mean, within, like, you get the sense about ten minutes after being rescued. He's like, if someone overcomes a chief, he's chief, then I'm chief! And he just <laughs> he shoots him. You're like, wow, that, that's it. It's over. Yep. Yeah. Boom. With his boomstick that they gave him back naively. Yeah, that's right. Not, not. Yeah, this strange iron thing must belong to you. <laughs> Your fire weapon struck the chief like lightning. Okay, yeah, someone needs to work a little bit on their writing there, but uh. I love it when Aquaman comes out of the water when he's finally he's he hasn't heard it. He's heard enough of Kyoki's story, and he shoots out of the water. And there's Blackjack is on the the dock, 
And he's like, well, Kiyoki, it's about time. No, it's Aquaman. And Aquaman's like, in person, Blackjack, and I'm going to smash this little racket of yours. He's just like, he is. He, he has no time for this guy. He's just no time for, for Blackjack. He's already sick of him. Two appearances in. So he's like, all right, that's enough. <laughs> and then Blackjack calls him an evil sea spirit and tells his warriors to fight him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But they listen to Kiyoki, thank goodness. Then they attack Blackjack. Now, and I am, I, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. There's there's more about Whiskers, too, because uh, Aquaman, when he gets back in the, into the cave after defeating the shark, says, yes, I'm back among your Whiskers again. What is it with Whiskers? I mean, come on, Aquaman. It must have been a thing. I don't know. That was sort oh. of, you know, like, now, you, before he gets into the cave, he kills the shark. He kills the shark. The first of many Aquaman, Golden Age Aquaman, killing sea life, which yeah. really is quite bothersome to me, obviously, because... The current Aquaman would never do any such thing. Yeah, he would just, you know, tell it, hey, I'm coming through, go away. But uh, no, this Aquaman, he could communicate to some degree, but he couldn't control sea life. And he had to kill the, the shark to get him by it. So he he pulls up a uh, the shell, a natural dagger, right to the heart. Yeah. And stabs the, the shark. That's pretty sad. I'm not also, a big fan of that. He also wrestles the um, octopus down and gets the puts the octopus in another giant clam. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so he, he's fighting sea life more than he is controlling. He's not talking to fish in this story either. Yeah. Uh, although I do, I do like at the end when they ask Aquaman to be the chief of Pearl Island, and he says, "No, Kiyoki is your bravest and strongest. Let him rule." Uh, which is kind of a nice thing. He, he does like a whole George Washington thing. He, he abdicates power when you know he realizes he doesn't want to be. So I like that, and it, that's well. That's kind of well staged by um, Paul Norris, where it's like they're mostly in shadow. I think that's yes. kind of that's kind of an effect. I mean, you, and you see Kiyoki and and Luana reunite. They're hugging in the background. They're like, hugging in the background. That's, that's yeah, a lot of detail for a tiny panel. And and there's there's Blackjack there. You can see him bound right there. And, and the, the others with their spears, and it's it's a really neat panel. Now, there is something amazingly stupid that Kiyoki does, because after Aquaman takes off, uh, Kiyoki lets Blackjack go. Yeah, my, my first command will be merciful. merciful. And Blackjack's and, like, going, I'm glad to be out of here. And then you see him take off on his boat. Aquaman wins again, but I'm not through. I'll get a ship, guns, men. I'll be, black for, I'll be back for Aquaman. Yeah. Kiyoki, what are you doing? Come on, man. Yeah, well... They weren't quite as bloodthirsty back then in some ways. I yeah. Mean, Aquaman killed his crew, but didn't kill Blackjack. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy. It, it, when, you know, eventually we'll get to some of these other stories and we'll see that Blackjack becomes more and more of a mort over time as his plans become even more ineffectual. But, uh, yeah, here, you know, he's he's pretty ruthless murderer, and now he's pitted again. He's got a vengeance thing on Aquaman, so they would set this up and go on and on and on for this. Uh, th- again, he would be Aquaman's only recurring villain, the only the only recurring villain for the Golden Age Aquaman. Yep, for a very long time. Aquaman had recurring uh, allies in the Golden Age, but not this was his only big villain. I always was disappointed that he didn't get a who's who listing. Uh, I guess I shouldn't be surprised because the Aquaman of Earth 2 which he this version was retroactively became, became w- yeah. was wiped out of existence. So I guess they didn't even want to bother any of the villains. But I mean, Blackhawk had enough appearances. I really think he deserved one. Yeah, and he, he was an interesting character. That he had some good ideas, and then <laughs> didn't yeah. follow through very well. No, no. There's there's a there's a good one later on where he's on a gambling ship, and another one where he convinces somebody that there's a certain type of treasure. So there's all kinds of neat little things going on with uh, Blackjack. 
Yeah, we will get to them eventually because I do love these stories and I really do want to talk about more of them. So uh, Lots of fun. There yes. are lots of fun. And it said Aquaman had a good run. He ran for the next, you know, 15 to 20 years uninterrupted. Non-stop uh, all non-stop. the way into the Silver Age. Yeah, until he became part of the Justice League. So, yeah, these yep. are these are some interesting stories. They are, uh, as, as Laura indicated via the microfiche, kind of impossible to find. So we are going to post some of these pages over on the website, which is firewaterpodcast.com, so you can see of kind of what we're talking about. There's a lot of really cool stuff, and there's, uh, you know, Paul Norris does a really good job. These stories are kind of text-heavy. There's a lot of word balloons. There's a lot of people oh, yeah. talking, and he manages to kind of fit everything in pretty well. Uh, you know, I mean, the action is, is clear, and there's some good character bits. So, yeah, Paul Norris was, you know, like, I, I have a greater appreciation for, obviously, aside from the fact that he graded Aquaman, but just an appreciation of the man's work itself. I mean, there's there's some there's some... Gold, there's some golden stories that are hard to look at, but I don't have that problem with these. No, I really like the looks of some of these. Um, actually, I think my favorite uh, ever splash page in all of Aquaman is is um, from the Golden Age. It's from World's Finest number six. Oh, that one-off so. story that he did. Yeah, it's such a strange thing that Aquaman's just in that one issue of World's Finest and none of the other ones. But it's just it's. I think it's my favorite ever splash page. So well, there's the one later on that's famous of Aquaman throwing the polar bear. Ah, uh, yes, every, yes. Every, even people that don't know the '40s they, Aquaman know that one. Aquaman can throw the <laughs> polar bear. Yes, he can throw a polar bear. The, at you. Unhappy hunting grounds. That's the one that's from right. More Fun '85. Now look at uh, look at you. You got to, you got the issue numbers down. Pretty good. Pretty good stuff. Yeah. So uh, we're that's what we're going to do for the for these two looks back at more fun comics. I said we're going to do more of these later on because I said I do love talking about these. So uh, before we wrap up, Laura, is there anything we want to you want to say about these stories? Um, I'm just glad I had the chance to read them in in about the early 2000s. About the time I wrote to Paul Norris, I got really obsessive about finding them all. And managed to get my hands on everything. And um, I also did some some research into some of the earlier Aquaman artists because we don't know the writers' names. They didn't. You can't tell the writers just from reading most of the time. But no, yeah. uh, I did a lot of research on some of the early artists, and some there's a couple that are complete mysteries. But most of them, I found a, a lot of information on. So it was. It's been a fun ride over the last 20 years while wow. um, with my website and my research it's 20 years 20, 20 years, years. I, the, uh, the Aquaman Shrine is going to turn 10 next month and that feels like wow I've been doing this 10 years and that's nothing that, that is a blip compared to the unofficial Aquaman website which is 20 that is what, what is the address where people can take a look at it? I mean, we'll have it in the show notes, but tell people what the address is of, of your site. Um, at the moment, I've I've got it. Oh, man, I don't even remember where my address is anymore. It's I think it's <laughs> aquablog.javog.com, and nobody can spell javog, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, I said we'll have a link in the show notes so people can find it. Like I said, it was, it was a big moment for me when I found your site because it was just like I had no idea that anyone else cared about Aquaman and I knew, of course no one had any idea that the internet would be a place where you know people of like mind could get together and, and talk about things right. they love and talk about things they hate now too because of course the internet is for that as well but yep. uh, but it was, it was a big deal it, to find it, someone else that loved Aquaman like I did it, it really was the same thing for me except I didn't find anyone and I decided well if I make a place for people to come then maybe someone else will 
pick up the torch and make something better from it. And thank goodness you came along and did. <laughs> I'm, I'm very happy to, I love the Aquaman Shrine. I'm very happy you're doing it. So thank you. Thank you very, thank much. You very much. Well said. Thank you. And thank you for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. We talked about this a while ago and I really wanted to do this because I do love these old stories and I had a lot of fun reading them. So it was great to be able to talk to you uh, sort, of, sort of in person for the first <laughs> time. And it's great to have you on the show. So thank you. Thank you for coming on. Yes. Anytime. Thank you. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, as always, if you want to find the show, just come to the website, fireandwaterpodcast.com. You can shoot us an email or use the contact page. And you can find the show over on Twitter at FW Podcast. So, uh, Shag, I hopefully, I think we'll be back next week. We should be able to get all that contract stuff locked down. And, uh, again, Laura, thanks so much for, for doing this. I really appreciate it. And uh, thanks, for, yeah, thanks, everybody, for listening. And until next week, uh, fan the flame and ride the wave. Aquaman and Firestorm fighting crime together. Soak them down or burn them up. No one does it better. Whenever you find trouble, they'll always be there to catch them in a bubble or even torch their hair. They stand for truth and justice and see a land in there. Aquaman and Firestorm, they make a super pair. Aquaman and Firestorm, super friends forever. Yeah. If you looked up the numbers for most of the more funds around the same period, there are 10 or fewer certified copies in existence of any of these more funds from that time period, which shows you how tough more funds generally are to collect.